I phone in, maybe I have an opinion to express, a viewpoint. I want to see the other side of it. And uh, I just love it. It's my drug. And I feed that drug by phoning in fairly frequently. It's our life and soul, really, because, I mean, you can ring up and have a chat, or if you feel down, you can ring up and you can chat to any of them, and they just they don't snap the head of you. Uh, it's it's easier over the phone, because I suppose you've no-one looking at you, and uh, you don't not really worrying about making mistakes or anything like that, or going red over saying the wrong thing, like, and everyone looking at you, laughing at you, you know, so it's easier over the phone, I think. I was never short of seeing or talking. Someone would say, or some of my friends would say, I never stop talking. Yes, it is cold. It is cold out there today, lads. And the clean frost and the whole thing, it is cold. By the way, if you're experiencing a little bit of difficulty, the uh, gentlemen are uh, working on the signal at the moment. The new X-14 is being established. And if you want the truth, that isn't the truth. The truth is we were zapped last night. Someone in Hoth with a handheld machine at the top of Hoth was found to be zapping us. So there you are. We'll be back uh, shortly. It's just a little bit of work uh, going on the transmitter, Okay. Uh, as I was saying, it's cold, lads. I'm getting fed up with this hot water bottle. I told yourself last night I want a big, bumpy woman with me. I mean, a lot hotter than... <laughs> uh, touch of the shadows. Especially for James Rogers. Welcome to Carlo, young James Rogers, latest member of the crew. When Joe came home from hospital, like, you know, after having the trip, he was pretty sore, you know, and uh, the nurse said to me, you know, it would be advisable to leave him on his own, you know, for a while until he'd, um, you know, the soreness went and all that sort of thing. And of course, I suppose you have to get well after a big operation. So it was a big operation. So they wanted to give me space, I suppose, like, and he'd rest better because I'm a terrible... A woman for twisting and turning and he wouldn't get much rest like where I'd be around and that sort of thing so um, I had to move into another room so just to have company and that I used to put on that's when I started uh, putting the radio on all night so I used I go to bed now with I go to sleep now with CTR and I wake up with CTR we didn't always have a phone and there's only about three years there now but uh, it was the phone actually that saved Joe's life because when he took bed we had to run to my daughter to ring the ambulance. And only for that, if we had to get into the car and go to Monstreven, he'd have been probably dead when we come back. But anyway, that's beside the point. I thought, and I said to Joe a couple of times, uh, no, we should get in the phone. He'd go, are you mad? What do you want with the phone, you know? And I said, well, he said, I know what you'll do with the phone. I mean, he was right. <laughs> because every morning, every Sunday morning, request time, I'd go down to Jocelyn and I'd put in my requests, like, you know, on her phone. And if I was in Monstreven, I'd have my call card and I'd do it there or wherever I'd be. Like, I'd have a call. I always had a call card in my purse so that uh, I carried them with me. And uh, so that's how that... Um, so eventually then I said to Joe, well, I'm getting in the phone. 
So I went in then and I ordered a phone and uh, I got the phone. So I have, that's my baby. Now I have to look after that. But if he makes a phone call, he puts in his money, which you have to, like you can't get through without it. So that's it. No problem at all to anybody. Or if anyone comes in to make a phone call, they use it and they put in their money like so that it's no big deal now. Once you, you know, you know what you're going to spend. And if you run out of money, well, you run out of chat. And often it does happen to me that I forget about the money and <laughs> I run out of chat. So I have to stop talking when the money runs out, you know, that sort of thing. Yes, a little touch there of Demis Roussos and forever and ever... <coughs> Beautiful. That is the fat Joe Dolan you were listening to. The, oh, the large Joe Dolan. Okay, a line line three. Hello, caller. Hello, Chris. How are you? Ah, uh, Betty Malone. How are you? I'm not too bad at all, and you? Ah, uh, not too bad. That's good. Well, how did I hear that your husband? We you, you want to me about your husband. Yes, he's in uh, Saint Luke's uh, ward in Newcastle. Oh my God! Uh, everything all right? Uh, now, yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank God. Yeah. You know. So, will you wish him well there, Chris? I, I will. Well, I, I want to say get well soon okay, and go home. Do you know you bear a striking resemblance to Dolly Parton? You know that, don't so you? So you tell me. Yes, you do. So yes. you God, tell me. God bless you. I love, I, w- I love bumpy women. <laughs> I wish I was as good a singer. Well, what's happening, Bert? Well, Christy, um, I had a call from Father Rookie on Saturday night to inquire about how was Joe and that. And he had a call from people that uh, was complaining about selling the miracle prayer. So he asked me would I be able to sort it out for him. You see, as you know yourself, Chris, I organised the masses here for Father Rookie. Yes. And uh, you know better man than yourself, we were on there only two years ago, remember? That's right, and the place was packed. That's right. And um, I must ask you, did people get up out of their chairs and walk away, no? Well, they they didn't get up and walk away, but they got up and walked. But whether they continued after that, I don't know. I get you, yes, I get you. Well, the first phone call I made into talk radio was some years ago, and it was in relation to what I call country and western masses. And I suggested to to, uh, Marion that eventually we would end up with strippers on the altar to bring in the customers. That was a subject of some comment from my neighbours. And uh, I thought it was funny. I don't think we will really get to that stage. I retired twice from my original employment and uh, then I was uh, manager in the building society. And that was the best part of my life. I enjoyed that really tremendously because of meeting people and solving problems for them. And I had been on the other side of the counter and I'd been in diffs on the other side of the counter when I was younger. So I could understand their problems. And I sort of hung into young people who were trying to buy homes and trying very hard. It was a different kind of world then, of course. Over the years, building societies and banks have changed very much in their attitude to extending credit. They're fighting to give away money now. But the time I'm talking about was, uh, well, they made a great compliment of it. So it required for ordinary young people 
who were working people. It required great discipline and great sacrifice to get a hold of their own. I was always very pleased that I'd done something good. I can be sometimes sitting at my breakfast and I hear someone saying something that's pure load of rubbish. And I would go to the phone. I can get a very uh, inhospitable reception sometimes from the presenter, or I know it's the uh, all right on the night. Well, my husband delights in the fact that I'm doing something I like, but he keeps an eye on the telephone bill. <laughs> he will listen to what is important. I will listen to anything that's frivolous. I will listen to everything. So we're completely two different people regarding what we listen to on radio. I was a television addict, and at night time or daytime, if I'm on the phone, I can leave the picture on the TV <laughs> in case something interesting comes up, which then, in turn, I can relay over the phone. And, uh, no, we are two different people. He's slightly more serious than I am. He leads a quiet life. Religion plays a big part in his life, whereby I am a Catholic, indeed. But, uh, you know, I like to get away from all those rules and regulations and um, have a lot of fun in my life. I adore Jerry Wilson and the programme. Jerry was a great guy. I still send Jerry my Christmas card and inquire about his family and his little girl. And Jerry, myself and Brian Darcy had a wonderful Wednesday night. And of course, Brian Darcy and I tried to get a word in edgeways with something. <laughs> But we enjoyed it immensely. And um, Jerry uh, remains a very fond memory to me because I think I was on very, very often, perhaps the most frequent on his particular programme. And when that programme finished, I cried. I did. I cried for a full day. And the very last night, speaking to Jerry, I knew it was his last programme. He knew that I knew. And he said, well, we'll talk as if nothing different is going to happen. And I can recall, and you're looking at the room here, I put the phone down, we were talking about hypnosis, and I was wishing I could be hypnotised into thinking that this was not the last night. And I walked up the lounge here, and the tears came down my cheeks. But then, it was Marion, it was Jerry, <laughs> and life continued. It was great. I've kept every single conversation on tape from the very first call. I tape everything, absolutely everything I tape. And that is so that somebody can't come on and say, you said this or you said that. And I can go and listen to my tape and know or apologise for perhaps something that I have said. I can sit in the kitchen and if I'm writing, writing poetry, anything... I find it very soothing and comforting and I play my tapes, but I only do it when there's nobody in the house <laughs> because they would say, are you being vain? No, it's because it's not myself I want to listen to. It's what was discussed. And there's one thing I haven't done. I should sort of label them because sometimes when a discussion would be repeated as things happen to happen each year, you know, um, I would say, 
well, I think that's what I said, but my mind retains it, you know. And uh, I often say, I should have marked that tape so that I know exactly what was on it. But I don't do that. It's very time-consuming. But I keep them. <laughs> Actually, they're upstairs. Okay, I'll show you them. Yeah, great. <clears throat> yeah, the decoration is going to be down here now. This carpet's coming up, and I'm not looking forward to it. It'll <laughs> be cold in here. Jerry. I listened to him in the small wee hours of last evening and uh, Jerry is there. Perhaps he's changed in appearance, but he never changed as Jerry. One of my favourite guys, one of the guys that I suppose gave me my greatest love of radio and phone-in radio. I framed it almost immediately. Jerry was going to stay there in my bedroom. <laughs> Even though I never talked to you, Jerry, from the bedroom. <laughs> I talked from downstairs, but um, I'll always keep Jerry there because all those tapes you see below, every one of them are recorded tapes of every time that I have been on the radio, some even erased, and as you can see, there's a good few hundred of them, and Jerry would be on a lot of those too. This is Dacia AM in association with ESB on Waterford's WLRFM. I'm Billy McCarthy. Welcome back to Wednesday's programme. Many people agreed with what Therese Fennessy had to say on yesterday's programme about children becoming far too sexual too soon these days. We're talking about nine and ten-year-olds being under the influence of groups like the Spice Girls. But what can be done about it? Do we I, want I fail most everything, I could say. Well, <clears throat> when I say fail, I mean just barely being under the, the percentage quota for passing and... Uh, I know that that was that was my fault. Like I'm not going to blame it on anyone, or I'm not going to blame the teachers or the paper. It was a uh, due to my own lack of interest in work. Like, and I realised kind of all too late that it was important that I, I study. So that it, that's my reason. That was my reason for repeating it. Um, I phoned in about a uh, kind of pressures that would be on younger people. Like at this time when they're doing their leaving cert, I suppose I just basically. To try and explain our point of view from it, like from where we're sitting, like we're the ones going to do it, like, and there's a lot of people saying, yeah, they're feeling this and they're feeling that, like I wanted them to know, like, yeah, well, that's all very well, but this is how we're really feeling, like, I mean, this this one exam is going to decide the rest of our lives, like whether we go on to college, whether we get a good job, you know, whether we're going to be drawing a door for the rest of our lives, you know. It felt really good because uh, most most Waterford were listening to the program, I think. Uh, I think two in every house were listening to the programme and I think i done pretty well. I, I got my point across. I think it came out pretty well. So I felt, I don't know, I felt kind of confident that I could do something like that right. You know, that I wasn't useless or whatever. Now, John, you're Davin's father here and uh, I hear you uh, phoning to chat shows yourself quite a bit. Now and again, yes, I do, I do, uh, yeah. Well, if I felt strongly about something was being said or some something was happening, we say, and uh, I felt that, that, that um, I agree with the person, no matter who it is, 
I would phone in to, to, to give him a bit of support and say, you know, or if I disagreed with the person, I would phone in and, and disagree and get my point of view across. I couldn't live without him. I couldn't. I, television, I don't, I don't need it at all. But I mean, I come home here in the morning, but on uh, WLR, Billy McCarthy's on, and you have two hours of, of good chat and what the musical out of the case may be. Uh, come two o'clock, Marion Finucane is on. I never miss those two programs, I never miss. Because you're, you're hearing ideas the whole time and listening to people that are in the same boat as yourself, you know. I, I probably wouldn't want the airwaves. I'm probably a bit of a coward. <laughs> you know, Dad would have no problem whatsoever. He'd sit up and stand up in front of 10,000 people and get his point across. Um, I couldn't see myself doing that. I'm a, I'm a kind of a background guy. I, I couldn't see me. I do a lot of work in the background. You know what I mean? I, I'd phone into the WLR and make me point uh, to, to, to Noel Gallagher, whatever the case may be. This is Dacia AM in association with ESB on Waterford's WLRFM. Young people should remain virgins until they are 21, so says Hillary Clinton. You heard Patricia on the line to me now is Davin. Good morning, Davin, on two. Good morning, Billy. I agreed with some of what she said. Most of what she said was pretty accurate. Guys being usually sexually active more when they're older than what girls are. I disagree with that because I think it tends to be kind of a, an individual type thing. Maybe before, like it was when their friends were egging them on, like like what she said, like uh, they're out for everything they can get, but it's not really that way anymore, Billy, you know? Not, not from the way I see it. Three cattle are wandering in a garden on the collection road. Three cattle. The Carlo side of the Mall pub. Now, the Gardaí want the owner to remove them. Two of them are brown and one black. They're Hereford yearlings. How does Christy know that? Because it's written here. So if anyone has lost treat cattle... Now, I'm, I can imagine you losing a poodle or a Jack Russell, but if you go out into the yard and there's three cattle missing, they are two brown and one black, they're stamping around the garden, a private garden, the Carlos side of the mall pub. Will you go and remove them, please? OK? Thank you. The name of the game here is Staying Alive, friends. I've got news this morning of another friend of mine who's gone on to the great radio station in the sky, the light of heaven to his soul. It's the Bee Gees and Staying Alive. <laughs> as you know, controversy going on about Golden Bridge and it was on CKR. It wasn't a lot about on CKR, no, right, but it was, it was on every other station, papers and everything. So I rang up more or less for to find out about uh, borders that had been with me, you know, and to see would they get in touch with me. So Noel hadn't too much time, so we, we were talking for a little while and he put out the request and from that request uh, going out on air, I had a good few calls, but not the one that I wanted. You know, and I haven't still got the one I wanted, and that was Maura, Maura O'Neill, and she was from Landon Road in Ballyfermot. And she used to bring me out to her house on a Sunday that Mammy wouldn't be able to come up from the country, you know, which wasn't very often. But we were good friends in the school, and um, I hoped that we would remain afterwards, but we didn't. You know, we didn't actually. I suppose when you leave, you go your own way and that. So, But uh, I didn't forget her kindness to me when she was uh, in school, like taking me out and I could be left there like a lot of them had to remain when they had no one to take them home. 
So uh, that was every three weeks, you know, every Sunday, every third Sunday. So when Mammy wouldn't come up, Maura O'Neill would bring me out. I felt good, mind you, you know, I did. I felt good. And, and um, I think actually when I had it done and all, I think I sat down and I had a little cry or something. Can't remember now what I really did. But, you know, when you, you say something and you get it out, you know, you feel a lot better. You know, that sort of way. And that's all. I suppose in general, like you, you felt all right about it. I like to have my own little grief on my own. I am a very emotional person anyway at the best of times. But um, when I am emotional, I like to just get away on my own. You know, and I just don't like... Because when you think about it, there's a lot of people out there that has a lot of problems and they don't want your problems on top of that. And I suppose that's... You know, maybe I'm mad or something, but <laughs> I think I am. <laughs> As Mum used to say, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at what better do. Well, I don't think anyone is at the moment, what I do. Because I do think up the craziest of things and I do the craziest of things, but they work out. I love people around me and uh, I love the air. I love the, the radio station because I'm forever on it, you know, I'm forever. And uh, last Sunday morning now I rang up uh, Declan Moroni because Joe had been brought into hospital. All night I couldn't sleep and um, I was twisting and turning, as you know, and worrying more than anything else. I was genuinely worried about him. And I rang up Declan. I don't know whether it was uh, ten past seven or ten past eight, but I rang him up anyway, and we had a long chat off air. So then he put in a request for him and that. You know, we didn't go on there, but it was the same thing. You know, you still rang up and you were still, you were listened to, and that's the most important thing. And that's why I listen to so many people, because it's great to have a listener. You know, Chris, I got cured myself from Flatterwood. Of, of what, Beth? Well, I found um, a lump actually and I went to the doctor and he sent me to the hospital the, and they the, done the mammogram is it? right it is uh, the lump that ladies look out for now. yes okay and um, I not a man knows about this but I'll tell you about it anyway okay and it might be, uh, uh, when I had it said and when I put down the phone and just you know what did I do to myself but then I felt better I felt relieved because it's terrible when you're bottling up something and uh, I should have been telling the whole world like that uh, I had been cured. But for some strange reason, I didn't. I told a few all right. And only those that uh, sort of asked you. You know, you didn't go broadcasting it. But uh, today I broadcasted it and I do feel a lot better. I really do. Thanks a million, Christopher. Good luck, Paul. God bless. Good luck. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The indomitable Betty Malone. Mm. I did a Shirley Valentine, if you like, to New York. I spent four months there. 
I loved it. Indeed, what's in the news at the moment, Bill Cosby's son. He only lived a couple of doors up the road from me. I came to know the different phone-in programmes and I used to compare them to home. I got through to one and they have so many numbers on their programme that at the moment I just can't remember which one it was. I think it was WOR station, yes. And there was an elderly gentleman on it. And because I love voices, you see, I fall in love with voices and I adore this gentleman's voice. And I phoned in and I told him I was Irish and I was there on holiday and uh, we discussed certain things. I think they brought up about prostitution. It was very high at that time because of the AIDS virus and everything. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. The only difference was they did not phone me back. I phoned them and they kept me on the line for some time. But it was my fun. And Shirley Valentine, in the sense that I went off on my own and I enjoyed it immensely and there was no objection from the family. And I came back refreshed, revived, that from now on a woman could go on her own, have a good holiday, and certainly today women going with their female friends could have one good holiday. I suppose I have been living my own kind of life over the years. My husband is a number of years older than me, whereby there's no friction of any kind. I felt there was a need that I should get out and do something for myself. And it was meeting mutual friends that had arrived from New York that said, why don't you come over and stay for a while? And I thought about it. And fate is extraordinary. I came back and I said it to my husband. And he said nothing. It was as if I mentioned something that had happened down the road. <laughs> and the next thing I got the good news that I had won a thousand pounds in a draw, a local draw. And I said, this is fate. I meant to go. And I rang up my mutual friends in New York and said, this is it. I don't have a green card I planned to stay for at least three months and whereby I was in the bank in my time, I did market research in my time. I knew that the jobs would be narrowed down a good bit and so I decided I would go as a nanny. And I went up to Dublin and got in touch with an agency and off I went. And the family, the girls were late teenagers, they were no problem. And I arranged they would have their lunch every day. Nobody was to suffer as a result. But I think I changed from then on. I became a little bit more independent. And as a result, went on to take on a job with my local newspaper. And I'm pretty independent. But still, of course, live in the family home with my husband. But we both lead two different lives. Since we were married, like we have, we ha I had 16 pregnancies uh, from 10 or 10. Well, they're grown up now, of course. They're all left home. I have a son, uh, the baby, as we call him, he's 18. He's the only one at home with me now. They're all scattered. They're everywhere, like and that. But they're all here. The doors, the house is never idle. I have a habit of saying, you know, you know. And I, I, I listen for other people when they're on radio to see if they do. And most, the majority of people have, have their own little canter, whatever you call them, for to, you know, there I go again, but however. Little things like that did say. But other than that, I think they're, um, I do think sometimes that they're, they're proud of what I do. You know, because, I mean, I wasn't always me, if you like. 
That's the way it is. Like so, and then the fact is, I explained to them that when you're helping other people, it's a great thing. It's a great thing. Like they do have a crack. Like sometimes people say to me, "My God, have you got a, a share in CKR? Or you know, have you uh, are you working for them or whatever?" Like you know, that to say this, but in a funny sort of a way. But I'm always uh, sending in requests and for everything, hospitals requests, birthdays, anniversaries, everything, you know. And I'm sure I must phone CKR a couple of times a week, you know. And if you want a message sent out, I often hear there now, uh, Chris Walsh would say, you know, Paddy, you have to meet Mary at such a place or such a thing like that. And if you can't get, uh, you know, maybe true to somebody, just ring CKR and tell them you know to get in touch with Betty Malone immediately or get in touch with such and such which has happened and without you know the phone would be well down till you'd get the call from whoever you're after sending out the message to you know so that in itself like it's a family uh, station and it's it's for families for everybody actually sometimes in my work and I may be calling people from around the country I'm involved a lot in advertising and features and I get a great thrill out of somebody saying that I know your voice, you're on the radio. Now, that's not said with pride. It's just said and remembered by the fact that, yes, you know, one thing I've got to say to you on this point is when I'm on, I'm on a one-to-one with the presenter. I do not realise that there could be thousands of homes, the radios are naturally switched on. I don't think of them. I'm just on a one-to-one. So when somebody comes along and says that to me, that gives me a great thrill. And I sort of, I'm surprised. And I suddenly realise, gosh, yes, when I was talking about something the other night, you know, there's somebody from Kilkenny on the phone. And believe it or not, I have a little fan club of people in Dundalk and I've got the, the Joes and the Jimmies and the Marys, and those that will say, good enough for you, keep it going. That's what I want to say, but I would never be able to say it. Or then I've got the other type of guy. No, I didn't agree with you at all. No. So I would say, okay, you come on the phone, you give your opinion. It's not hard. So I love the camaraderie and what results from the programme, and I'm not afraid at all of being recognised because there is an area there whereby I've been very involved in peace and I have been quite outspoken in relation to what all the paramilitaries on both sides have done and I'm never afraid to express what I feel about that. Having been over in Warrington and having gone over with the signatures which I instigated at the GPO in Dublin And I'm never afraid to recount what it's like when I go to visit my peace people in the north and to see and listen to the day-to-day lives that they've got to endure. So I'm not afraid, with caution, to express myself in any area of life. It's very important to me. And my greatest ambition is to have a part, play a different part in radio in the sense that I would like to go out, talk to people and um, light reporting. That's my dream and I will follow that and I don't care if I'm 99 and the opportunity arises. That is what I would like to do and uh, I see no harm in talking about it and hoping that somewhere along the line it may come about. 
And you can't close the world down. That's one thing as well. You have to be educated to cope with it. Davin, thanks very much for calling us. Good morning to you. That's Davin on the line to us from the county. And you heard him on Wednesday's Deja AM. I feel okay. I wasn't really... I'm not really nervous and not feeling any different. Like, I just feel like I've... Like, again, contributed to what... The argument, like, giving another side to it again. Like, you know? I mean, I'm not, I'm not arguing with her just for the sake of arguing. I mean... I, that's that's how I felt like about it. You have to be very very careful with with a phone. Um, I have a phone here, and I suppose the easiest thing the world to say is, do you really need a phone? You do need a phone. I need a phone where I'm living. I'm out in the country. I need a phone, right? You have to be very very careful. The phone calls you make have to be very short and very brief. No matter who your phone, you have to have your you know your mind made up that this is what I want to say or this is the message I want to give over, and that's it. Bang in the story, you know. No matter what you do, when you're on the dole, it's a bright line situation. I mean, every crust of bread has to be eaten. That's the fact of life, being on the dole. It's a fact of life, you know. And I suppose the dole is the, is the end. The meat is the bottom. I, for many years, I worked all my life, we say. I was a high-paying taxpayer, we say, all my life. And it's a hell of a shock to the system, just as suddenly, in 1985, when I lost my job, I had a good job. I mean, money was no object. I wanted enough nights in a week to spend the money. Simple as that. I bought my site here, I built my house, I done all the, everything myself, I done the whole lot. And suddenly, just in... I was making ends meet, we say, and things were coming together. Somebody just removed the ends, and I was thrown out in the scrap heap, we say. I have great ideas, I'm willing to work, I have no problem whatsoever. Uh, I tried to go back to work on this back-to-work scheme, it didn't work out for me, because it, I think the back-to-work scheme is a great idea, but it wasn't taught out properly. He's a hard worker. From all I can remember, he's a very hard worker. He'd have he'd have a lot to contribute to, um, to a factory or to place like that. I mean I mean he works, he breaks himself working, I mean, you know. The thing the thing going around now is that he's too old or whatever, like, you know. That's stupid. I mean, his experience he's probably one of the most qualified fitters in Ireland. With his experience, what he can do, I mean, there's not a fitter in Ireland I can say that would have his experience that been at it that long. I mean there's not a compressor I've seen yet that has beaten him that he couldn't fix or he couldn't figure out what's wrong with him. How can a fella like my father be no good to a, a factory or something like that? I mean, you know, it's it's ludicrous, you know. My children went to bed early and the night was ours always after that to watch TV or listen to the radio. And before the phone-ins became very popular, there was always some programme, like a quiz programme, Joel Inane many years ago. So radio was just a part of life. And uh, no, nobody was put out. The children went to bed. The children often listened to radio programmes with me and um, enjoy them. While my father, who was a great radio buff, he loved opera and all of that and uh, debating. He was a great debater. We would have to listen to all the different programmes relating to, I suppose, what was the subject matter of the day. But, of course, all that has improved considerably since and uh, no radio I suppose I have inherited from my father the love of it but it's quite different now because my father never played a part on it by phoning in whereas the opportunity is there for me just to do that I suppose within the family I would be the most keen and the most interested whereby my sons naturally would be interested in sports results and all of that you know but for me, the topic of conversation, it's very high. If we had the ordinary domestic 
row, which everybody has. And if, for example, I was arguing on some point that perhaps that window definitely needs to be replaced, it's going to fall out. And then he would say, don't bother me at the moment. I have other important things on my mind. I say, got you. I think, and I would do this in a threatening way, I think I'll talk to Jerry Ryan about the hassle of trying to get your window in. So on the 22nd of November, 82, we had a big night out in the cushion and Ronan Connors come down as a guest, uh, you know. And um, that night we were able to hand over £700, which was great. And that took me on Michelle completely. It gave me the confidence that I don't think I had before. Do you know what I mean? That uh, I was able to mix with people. I never thought I could mix with, like, you know, children, yes, but not, you know, I was a sort of shy where crowds of people would be. But when I realised that I was able to do that, I meant I had to find it out for myself, like. And uh, when I realised I could do that, then I went on to do different things. And then when I got, um, you know... Hooked on the radio, like uh, that was that was even better. Okay, and the weather is as follows: a ridge of high pressure covers Ireland from an anticyclone to the east. Three wise men will arrive at half two today. The forecast is frost and fog will clear slowly this morning to give a dry and bright day with sunny spells. Light, variable or later easterly winds two three Dublin Bay Rosslair. Top temperatures five to eight. Dry and clear tonight with light winds and frost and fog returning. Lowest temperatures of zero to minus three again tonight. Now, we did tell you to watch it yesterday, and right enough, the frost did come. Now, the outlook for tomorrow, a plague of frogs will cover Leinster, but Charlton Heston is on the ball. Frost and fog will clear, and the day will be dry and bright with sunny spells and moderate easterly winds. Maximum temperatures five to eight. And that is the weather forecast. Now, who brought you all these words? The words in our own lovely language are called fuckles. Well, who brought you these fuckles? I have been away. Maybe I've been over to my twin sister as I was over Christmas. And I felt she mightn't like me to use the phone for the phone-in. And I inquired from her, was there a phone-in programme on the local radio station? And uh, she was sort of dismissive of it, perhaps because she's heard me talk so much about it even though she's done her own call in now and again to Marion oh yes she has indeed and uh, she would phone me then and say well how did that go and I'd say great you talked about what you wanted to talk about so when I would be away it would be less convenient so naturally when you're in your home environment that's the most important place and uh, that's where you feel the comfort of it it becomes your friend It's there in the corner. It's my friend. It's a voice in the house when there's nobody in. Ring Naomi and tell her, what am I, Okay, That's if you know, Okay. In the meantime, Celine Dion and River Deep Mountain High. (laughs) 